Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third. I'm always traveling for work, but I also love to be active, playing soccer every chance I get. Finding the balance between being comfy, looking cute, and also being dressed to be active has never been easier with Viore. Viore is so versatile. It can be used for any activity, running, yoga, swimming, but it's also great for lounging or traveling. My favorite product is the pants that I actually never take off, the Women's Performance Jogger. They're designed with the softest premium dream knit stretch fabric. Viore helps me feel good about the things I buy and how they are made because Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint, utilizing better sustainable materials for their products to empower your best active life. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash soccer. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash soccer. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The entire world was watching today as the U.S. contests the last spot for the 1990 World Cup in Italy. Clearly, this is the most important 90 minutes in the history of the players of the U.S. national team. The shot, knocked out the ball, the ball, saved by the Estados Unidos, lo hizo Charlie Davis. The shot into the back of the net, the United States, right away. 57 goals, tied for the all-time U.S. record. The United States have taken the lead. Here's where the penalty spot off the woodwork. Right off! And again, McKinney. Dos a zero. Pulisic buries it in the upper 90. It is a milestone moment for this marquee generation of U.S. internationals. Welcome back to Morning Footy. It's Mailbag Tuesday, and I just want to say before we get into some of these questions that we got, what a privilege it is. Sometimes I think it, it, it's still kind of hard for me to believe that like, I get to work with like Charlie Davies and a Tony Miola, and I get to sit across the decks from two absolute legends of the game who did so much for the country, and next to my good friend Nico Cantor, mm. who is mortals. totally brilliant. But yes, we are mere mortals. I, mere mortals. I, just, I feel the same way. I feel oh, but I just hey, want to it's, I it's an Tony, honor. I, I looked up to him. That 94 World Cup inspired me to play the game. Mm-hmm. To see him between the, the pipes and his colorful jersey, the ponytail, the man bun. <laughs> um, but, you know, him, 
and his generation, they opened up the doors for us, right? They exposed us to the game. They gave us hope. They gave us an, a, a dream. And I always tell him, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that he was able to do that for so many, for my generation and every, all the generations after, but that he's an even better person. Yeah. So, well, you both thanks, are. Respect. You Thank both you. are. It, it is. It's just a, it's you. an honor. And it's so cool because we get to ask questions to you guys and pick your, your brains. You have so much experience and so much knowledge. And so we asked everyone to submit their U.S. men's national team questions, past or present. Um, and we got some great ones for you guys. So you ready to, to answer some, some cues <laughs> from the people? All right, here we go. We've got Sean Endebele, and you know Sean? I know Sean. You used to work with Sean? Yes, for the New England Revolution. That's wild. He's in the front office. He's got a question. Yeah. How important is it for the U.S. men's national team to perform well during Copa America this summer? And what are we going to define success at this competition? It's extremely important. I I would say in this group of Uruguay, Panama, Bolivia, and the U.S., you have to finish top two. And the match against Uruguay, you would, you would hope that the U.S. could win this game, but it's got to be very close. Uruguay are fantastic, and they're playing extremely well under Bielsa. But either way, you're going up against the group with Colombia and Brazil. So it, it, if the expectations are, are great and you finish top of the group and Colombia finishes second, you're playing Colombia, that's not an easy matchup. Or, or either way around. Or you finish Brazil. second, you're playing Brazil. If right things go as we logically assume they go. Right. Winning, just say you lose against Uruguay, you win the other two games, you finish second in the group, and you, you lose, lose against Uruguay, and then you get your marquee win against a Colombia or a Brazil. Is that good enough to define success? Mm. Um, I, think it's, I think it's the style of play. It's how, how did the U.S. look in these games? Do, have we seen progress? Because I go back to the World Cup. I don't think anyone expected the U.S. to play as well as, well as they did in the World Cup. Hmm. Given that this, I, I mean, the whole mantra was young team, no experience. Everyone stepped up, in my opinion. It was, it right. was you left that World Cup with a positive feeling, yeah. a hopeful feeling. Hopeful. Yes, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. they but did. Because they didn't overachieve, but they didn't underachieve. So they, they did, they I, was, did. I was left as a young group, I think, to get out of the group the way they did, and yes, the Holland game was a little bit of a letdown, but I think the, the England game, the way they approached it, the way they played it, I was left hopeful. Now, can it be better than that, this Copa America? Can you show me growth? That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I'm with you on the World Cup, right? Because I still look at that Netherlands side, and I think, how many of our guys start on that Netherlands team? <laughs> right, if you go look at it man for man. So I'm okay there. The, the Copa America for me is the time that they need something signature. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's Brazil. I don't care if it's Colombia. Um, we keep talking about Mexico matches being that signature win. I mean, we did this 20 years ago, the U.S. Yeah. We did this 25 years ago. Uh, there's a reason why this Dosa Zero, this didn't start like five years ago. <laughs> yeah. This started four years. So uh, I'm okay that they've beaten those teams. Obviously, it's the one team I don't want to lose to is Mexico. But, but Greg Berhalter has to take this team now to the next step. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we've seen that just yet. I don't think we've seen a game where we've put our foot on the pedal and all of these guys that are playing at Milan and Juventus and, you know, well, Gio was at Borussia Dortmund, mm-hmm. but now in the, in the Premier League, you get my point, right? All of these guys that are playing everywhere, like, where's the next step? And I think that's Greg Berhalter's challenge. And the next time he has an opportunity to show that he can do that as a manager, for me, is Copa America. 
I have a question again, just thinking and visualizing the path because there's a possibility you win the other two games, you lose to Uruguay, and then in the quarterfinals you lose to Colombia or, or, or Brazil. But you made it out of the group. What? It's bare minimum, Nico. That's, gotta, that's the bare minimum. Th that, yeah. that is the bare minimum. Okay. But again, okay. it's the, the, the style of play. Were they creating chances? Were they dangerous? Was it close? Did you feel that the U.S. were in the game the whole time? Or was this an absolute blowout? Uruguay, if they win 3-0, you, you get out of the group because you beat Panama and Bolivia, which you should, mm. and then you get blown out 3-0 to Brazil or Colombia, are you still going to feel hopeful? Do you, are you still yeah, going to no, feel that way? No, it would be a failure. So again, you, you want to see a, a growth from, from where this team was to now hmm. feeling that you can compete. Because the whole idea of Copa America is give the American fans hope that this team can go f the furthest the U.S. men's national team has ever done. That is the goal of this tournament. Because this is, there's no World Cup qualifying. This is all you got. This is against the best South American teams. You need to show that you can compete for a World Cup title or to, to get to a World Cup semifinal. If you can't show and give me hope that hope. that can happen, then it's we a failure. We need hope. We need hope, Greg. Um, all right, let's get to our next question. I'm gonna ask that this sounded desperate. To, to yeah, I, honestly, <laughs> come on. We do. We need, we need it. Um, all right, this one is for, for Tony. Who is your pick for U.S. men's national team starting goalkeeper? Copa America. Um, well, I think the obvious pick is Matt Turner, right? But I've been saying for months I'm a little bit concerned about the goalkeeping position uh, because I said immediately after the Netherlands game, and I don't care if it's a goalkeeper, defender, or a striker, going into 2026, everybody that's on that roster needs to be playing at their club team, needs to be a starter at their club. I don't think we're in a – if we're going to be the golden generation – I don't think we can go and, and say we're the golden generation if we've got guys sitting on the bench or not making rosters uh, with their club team. So that's first, uh, first thing. Uh, with regards to the goalkeepers, uh, the, the concern comes from not playing every day. The concern comes from Matt Turner not playing every day. Right now, he's the starter. Right, so the, the, the easy answer is Matt Turner plays in Copa America, and that's it. Because number two is so far off. There you go. There's no competition. Hit the nail on the head. You got Ethan Horvath, who wasn't even rostered in the first half of the mm -hmm. season. Last day of the transfer window, February 1, he makes the move to Cardiff City. Right? So hopefully he gets some time. Zach Steffen now has come back to the U.S. to Colorado. We assume that he's going to be the guy, yeah. right? He's going to get some time. I don't know how he's going to develop. Mm. He hasn't played for a while. Yeah. Right. I mean, what, what does it really look like for Zach Steffen? How rusty is he? I'd like to see the storyline be that he gets back to the national team. Mm -hmm. But for me, he's not an automatic national team player right now. Uh, Gaga Slonina is the guy I followed in Chicago for quite some time. He's the guy that's played the most games. Now, it's been on loan. It hasn't been at, at Chelsea, but that's a whole. But he's at least playing. He's still young. I still think he's going to play a role in 2026. Olympics? Olympics, obviously, and we're going to see him there. Uh, but the, the short answer is Matt Turner. The long answer is I'm still a little bit concerned about the position. Can I ask a follow-up to this question? Um, I see that there's not only a drop-off after Matt Turner, yeah. but do you think Matt Turner going to the Premier League, he went to a league that was too difficult off the bat. For him, it was too much of a jump from Major League Soccer to, to the Premier League? Well... 
I mean, somebody realized, Nico, early that this wasn't their guy. Think about it. The Greek owner, uh, Marinakis, brings in Vlakidimos, the, the Greek yeah, goalkeeper. All of a sudden, Benfica. there's like a problem for me. And now you bring in uh, another goalkeeper in the transfer window who plays in the weekend. So Matt Turner's now relegated to the bench. So somebody there realized, and, and keep in mind, this transfer w- window they were rumored with like seven or eight different goalkeepers around the world. For me, that's just the, there's like a red light that goes on in my head right now. That mm. Something is not perfect. Is it not the right spot for him? Is it not the right league for him? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, but it, it is something that I will follow uh, for sure yeah. uh, moving into the World Cup. It's just strange because it feels like goalkeeper was always such a strong suit for the, the at, U.S. I know, the there. pedigree that yeah. we have, and now suddenly there's all these question marks. It just feels like a very vulnerable position not to only, be in. Not only I would say one of our, it was our strongest. That was it. E- e- easily, like, our goalkeepers could be playing at any club, could be competing at any club in the world. Mm, yeah. We shall see. All right, we've got one more question. This is from Caesar. He wants to know, Tony, favorite off-pitch memory from Italy 1990. Oof. I hate these because I love, pre- you know me, I'm a preparation freak. <laughs> uh, but the, the, I guess the first thing that comes to mind, uh, and it always will for 1990, uh, of course, it was my first World Cup. It was in Italy. So if there's two places I would want to play in a World Cup, and if I had to choose, were the U.S. and Italy. So I feel like I warmed up in Italy, and then we had it home uh, in, in the U.S. in 94. But it was, my grandmother was in the stadium, and oh. she was, she was, about 95% blind, so she really couldn't see anything. But I have this picture that they took where my grandmother's like reaching up in the air trying to grab the field, she said. Wow. You know, so the fact that my grandmother was in the stadium with my parents, wow. I don't know who my parents were cheering for. I have no idea. <laughs> Your grandmother? Italy, yeah, but my grandmother was cheering for me, clearly. Wow. Um, She's but, Italian born, I imagine. Yeah, oh, yeah. Where, she, where she didn't in Italy? Step, is she they from? were from Avellino, okay. so a little bit south they of, had the of half, Naples. Half Italy, half US. No, I think my father had the full Italy. <laughs> 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 my mother was the question mark. <laughs> oh, that's that, amazing. That's a memory that, that I'll never forget. Did you guys have cell phones back then? No. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Chuck. Why are you going to do it like that, Chuck? It was all Good black Lord. and white, Charles. Black and white. <laughs> oh. Wow. What, what three stadiums did you guys play in? Do you remember the... the uh, in Fiorentina okay. and then in Rome. Mm-hmm. And then both the last two games in... Fiorentina, in, in, Rome, Fiorentina. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Epic. Beautiful story. Thank you guys so much for that. And thank you guys for your questions. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.